see uh i'm andy hines not rick bonfim um we started a series yesterday called the parable of the sower and we took part one and today we're going to pick up on part two uh as you can see i'm in my uh in the office up here and forgot to set the heat yesterday so i'm a little chilly so i hope you'll forgive me for that but uh let's go ahead and pray and we'll pick up right where we left off yesterday Father, thank you so much for today. We're asking you to guide us. We're asking that the Holy Spirit bring out what he wants us to, to know and hear in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We started uh, beginning of Mark 1 to, to, to understand the parable of the sower, which is in Mark chapter 4, Matthew 13, and Luke 8. Uh, we're going to be looking over much of uh, Mark and some of Matthew, and uh, not we won't be touching base with Luke. But um, so yesterday we went through the first three chapters of the book of Mark, and we touched base on a number of things that Jesus did. Uh, one of the things that he did is he spoke with authority. Uh, his words had an impact. They spoke with authority. And um, in the process of doing that, we saw that people were getting healed, people were having demons cast out of them, and people were amazed because he taught with authority. He did things nobody else could do. Now, we also saw by going to chapter 1 and following up qu quickly on his um, baptism, in chapter 1, starting in verse 9, in those days Jesus came from Nazareth and, he, and John the Baptist baptized him. Well, we know Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but he said let's do it so we could fulfill the scriptures. And there were five things that happened to him there that were foundational for him being effective at what he did. Number one, he modeled being born again. As I've said before, he didn't need to be born again, but he modeled that for us. He went baptized the death of the old man raised to, to new life. He got baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, number three, the, the father said, uh, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased, means he operated in faith. We saw that by cross-referencing Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. The fourth thing was he went into the desert. He went into the desert, and while he was in the desert, uh, he dealt with the enemy, he dealt with Satan, and we find out that when he was in the desert that he, he learned what he was supposed to do. This is a pattern that he does. He goes and prays, and the Father tells him what he wants him to do. And then when he left the desert, the fifth thing, he went and did what he was called to do. Now, um, briefly, I want to touch base on this, and it's important that we understand this in... in uh, expansion on the on the temptation and and what happened to him in the in the wilderness uh luke chapter 4 verse 1 jesus being filled with the holy spirit went into the desert he was filled with the holy spirit but verse 14 is very clear jesus returned in the power 
of the Holy Spirit. So that desert process, uh, he began operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. doesn't mean in any way, shape, or form the Holy Spirit didn't have power when he went in. It meant Jesus wasn't operating in that power yet. Now he comes out. Now he's ready for bearing. We'll see that in just a second. Uh, we go back to uh, Mark chapter 3. Uh, he chose the 12. Uh, we saw that he'd healed a man with a, with a um, uh, withered hand in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 11. Um, and he couldn't convince the people, the, the Pharisees, everybody, they thought, man, this guy's crazy. And, uh, but this is his first negative encounter with them, uh, as we can see here in Mark. Now, it says they watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. Now, uh, he had other, back here in chapter 2, when he healed the paralytic, he had to run in with him. So, we're just beginning to run into, this wasn't the first, but we're beginning to run into things where he's causing issues. Now, let's go to Mark chapter 4. Let's get into the meat of the parable. And we'll just start by reading. I'm going to be reading from the modern English version, the MEV. Uh, I like it. It's a great version. Uh, and it's as good as English version that I've seen. Chapter 4, and we'll start with verse 1. Again, he began to teach by the seaside. A large crowd was gathered before him. So he entered a boat, and he sat on it on the sea. Sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. He taught them many things in parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, take note. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell beside the path, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And soon it sprang up because it did not have deep soil. But when the sun rose, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Verse 7, Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell on good ground, and it yielded grain that sprang up and increased by 30, 60, or 100 times as much. Then he said to them, he who has ears to hear, uh, let him hear. Now, uh, that's the parable. That the, it's the explanation of the parable uh, that is so foundational to the growth and understanding of our walk with Christ. Verse 10, when he was alone, those who were around him with the twelve said, Ask him about this parable. He said to them, now listen closely. Listen closely, because this is where the meat of this starts to come in. To you is given the secret of the kingdom of God, but to those outside, everything is said in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Then verse 13 do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Now, let's go back and look at this real quick. Let's look at verse uh, 11. To you has been given the secret 
of the kingdom of God. Now that's the Greek word in Strong's 3466. And it comes up in, in um, um, Matthew 13. We're going back to Matthew. We will look at Matthew 13 briefly here. Okay, Matthew 13 and verse 11. It is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. But it is given to you to know the mysteries the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we can go back and look at Ephesians 1.9 and see this word in Ephesians 1.9. Starting in actually in verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. We saw that with Jesus, um, with the young man that was cut down through the roof. He told him, uh, your sins are forgiven. And that's where he first started. He first got in real trouble over that. He said, continuing this, In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery, the secrets of his will. The secrets of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself. Now, God has made known to us the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. They're there for us to learn, but they're secrets, so we're going to have to look at them. Now, let's go back to Matthew 13, and I want to read starting in verse uh, 16. He says this, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and did not see them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Now, I wrote a note down there to, to look at Luke 10, 23. So let's do that real quick. Hopefully, that amplifies what I'm saying here. Luke 10, ten twenty three. Then he turns to his disciples and he said to them privately, Blessed are your eyes which see what you see, for I tell you, Many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and have not seen it and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. Now, now listen to what he, what he goes on from there. Verse 18 in Matthew 13. Switch back there real quick. He says, Therefore, listen to the parable of the sower. Now, this is a, a key point that he brings up and it, this is... So critical, and this will also be a feeder for many of the other parts of this study that we go to. Jesus tells his people in the Old Testament, long to see the, the truths, understand the truths that the parable of the sower explains, but they don't get their answers. Um, they want to know, but they, they don't know, and God doesn't tell them in the Old Testament. 
But he tells us and says we have these secrets. Now, the interesting thing about this is, is when we, as we proceed this, we'll go back and we'll follow this principle as we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. The principle of the parable of the sower. Now, let's go ahead and read the explanation for the parable of the sower. In verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all of them? Uh, it, it says later on, he didn't teach them with anything but a parable. So if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to get anything he's teaching. This is uh, the mother of all parables, so to speak. So now listen to the explanation. This is key here. Another five things we're going to have to learn. The sower sows the word, verse 14. Mark chapter 4, verse 14. He just said in verse 13, how will you understand this par any parable if you don't get this one? The sower sows the word. That's the first thing to understand. The word is the subject of this parable. These are those beside the path where they hear where the word is sown. And when they hear, they do hear it, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word which is sown in their hearts. Satan comes, not God, not the Holy Spirit, not an angel. Satan comes immediately to steal the word. That's what his business is. He's got to stop the word. So, go on, verse 16. Others likewise are seed sown on rocky ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, because it's good news, but have no root in themselves and so endure for a time and afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake immediately they fall away and others are seen among the thorns the ones who hear the word verse 19 but the cares of the world the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word, and it, the word, proves unfruitful. Still others are seed sown on good ground, and those who hear the word and receive it and bear fruit 30, 60, 100 times as much. Now, let's go back to this. There's five things in here that Satan uses to steal the word from you. Affliction, which means... Excuse me just a second. I had kind of an emergency thing come up here. Uh-oh. Just found out a friend has cancer. Not good. Anyway, well, that's what we're talking about. Afflictions, disease, um difficulties satan's the author of those things not god and we'll we'll deal with that in great detail there's a lot of scriptures in the bible that we need to talk about that deal with this idea of affliction and we're going to find out that god's not the source of our problems he's the source of our answer now 
The second one is persecution. Persecution is pretty well understood. That's what's going on all over the world. Uh, we have not experienced that type of persecution in the United States, although we now have a government and many uh, leaders in this country that are antithetical to Christianity. They don't want much to do with it. So uh, they're trying to shut it down under the auspices of, of uh, various laws and things that they want to do, and, and, and that's what persecution is. Then it says the third thing is the cares of this world, the anxieties, pressure. Um, uh, what about this? What about that? What, you know, uh, uh, is, is this going to happen or is that going to happen? We worry about stuff. Worry, worry, worry. The cares of this world. Um, it says he was thrown uh, among thorns. The thorns and thistles are exactly what these represent. Uh, what about my my marriage? Am I going to get the rent money? Am I going to have this? Is go, is this going to happen? Or is my kid going to be okay? All of those things are cares and thorns, and they'll rob you. Now, the fourth thing is the deceitfulness of riches. Uh, not riches, the deceitfulness of riches. Um, not understanding what God's plan uh, for resources is. You can see that in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, verse 18. It says, remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you wealth to establish his covenant. So uh, we need to be thinking along those lines. Uh, the fifth thing is the desire for other things. And the King James talks about that and says the word lust and most people, when they think of lust, they think in terms of sexual issues, which certainly there is lust involved in that. But there's also lust about other things, like I need a new bass boat, I need a new car, I need a new truck, I need a new computer, I need a new phone, I need a new wife, I need this, I need that, I need a new husband, blah, 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 blah. Pressure on your five physical senses. That's what that means. And all of these things, it tells us, enter in and choke the word. Now, uh, and it, the word, proves unfruitful. We can see that in verse 19. Now, what's interesting about this, um, there's four kinds of soil here. Let's go back and look at the, at the soil. Uh, it's soil beside the path. Um, it's soil on rocky ground. Um, it is soil uh, among the thorns, thorny ground. And number four is good ground. Now, out of those four elements, only one receives the word. The guy that was sown on good ground. Uh, he is going to bear fruit 30, 60, or 100 times as much. Uh, so he's either going to get, you know, 30 times, 60 times, or 100 fold return. That's, that's what it says. This is a process that God has set up. Um, your spirit man, we know that from the book of Luke, Mark chapter 8 and the book of uh, Luke, 
pardon me, not Mark chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, um, that your, your soil that he's talking about is your spirit. It's your heart. So there's several things here that are critical to the success of our operation in this is taking care of what we listen to, uh, understanding that words are seeds that, that enter into our heart, and that basically you can say out of every 100 people that hear this, the Word of God, only 25 of them are going to get it. I wish the numbers were higher, but they're not. So in this situation... We're talking about words and soil. We're gonna we're gonna break these things down uh, when we get to, to to the next thing. We're gonna start digging into these a little deeper. But it's so critical to understand the importance. Take care what you listen to. Um, in that framework, um, uh, my wife and I have been uh, Julia and I have been uh, doing devotionals at night. Uh, we read at night, and um, I have a a book, uh, a tremendous book on hearing God that we've been reading from. But we started reading in the Old Testament. We started with First Samuel, and we treat it like it's a TV show. And uh, tonight's episode is chapter one, and then we get to chapter two, and and uh, the next night we read the, the the second chapter and start out with, well, tonight. Uh, previously in first samuel and then we'd read a little bit do it like a tv show and it's actually we're we're into second kings now it has been one of the most amazing studies that we've done but one of the things that we see uh because i understand this parable and we're going to talk about we see this parable at work when the people in the old testament did not see it at work they didn't know why what was going on was happening elisha uh, with the with the Shunammite woman and others, things that were going on that they didn't know about, okay. But you can see this pattern develop starting in in the uh, Genesis uh, all the way to the uh, Revelation, uh, the Book of Maps and the Book of the Concordance. All of them, all of them said the same thing. God sows the word; Satan comes immediately to steal it. That's why one of the things we said yesterday was when we, pardon me, there was another text that just came through, and my friend is, this, this is, I got to take care of that. Uh, one of the things we talk about is listening and hearing, and as we, as we follow through this and we see what's going on, we find out that the words that we hear are seeds and they will produce tremendous amount of fruit in our spirit. If we sit around and listen to the news all the time, um, we're going to have bad fruit. We're going to have bad seeds. We're going to have fear. We're going to have thorns. We're going to have thistles. All of those things are going to be in there because that's what they produce. They produce fear. That's what Satan does. Uh, we'll see that as we do this study. Uh, it will expand. We'll talk about Job. We'll talk about Paul. Uh, we'll talk about many of these people. And you'll see that the principles laid out here in Mark chapter 4 
are the principles that have held Strong's from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. God sows the word. God sows the word. And Satan comes immediately to steal the word which has been sown. We can turn to the end uh, quickly. We can turn to the end of Mark and you go to verse 35. Let me begin there. That same day, at the end of the day when he was teaching this, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Those are the words of Jesus. Those are it. He says, we're going to the other side. Now, and when they sent the crowd away, they took Jesus just as he was. Then a great windstorm arose. Wow, isn't that something? God says we're going to go over to the other side, and now a storm of hurricane proportion, as the Amplified Bible, Amplified Classics says. It's a storm of hurricane proportions. And it came immediately when Jesus told them we're going to the other side. Now, here's one of the issues that we want to talk about Dealing with this kind of walking in the faith, doing the things that Jesus did, require us to have a level of courage. You can go back to Joshua. Um, let's do that real quick. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 1. Verse 7. Well, verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall prove Provide the land that I swore their fathers to give them as inheritance. Be strong and very courageous. Uh, do not turn aside from it to the right, to the left, so that you may succeed wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. The seeds, the words of God. Those are the seeds. The sower sows the word. The seeds. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully act according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way successful and you will be wise. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid or dismayed for your Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, uh, Jesus tells us that in the New Testament. And one of the words, one of the things we find out is a lot of time our words cross, uh, go crosswise what God says. And we don't even realize it. Like, I cringe when I hear people say, Lord, be with us today. Well, wh where's he going to go? He said he was going to be with us. He said, here, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Jesus said, uh, lo, I'm with you always and I will never leave. So, why would we pray and ask God to be with us when he said he'd be with us? Do we not believe him? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, but also in this, i got to go back to exactly the, the key element here. Remember, what, what prompted God to say this to Joshua? Uh, one of the most terrifying scriptures, I think, in the Bible is, is Joshua 1-2, where God comes up to Joshua and says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, you get up and cross the Jordan. That has to be terrifying. Look at the things that Moses did, and Joshua's been right there following along with him, and now it says, Lord says, 
Uh, he's gone, it's up to you. That has to be a terrifying thing uh, for Joshua to deal with. And as we have gone through this, he says, I have given you every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, as I said to Moses. He's got some great promises here, but in order to walk in the commands that he was given, God tells him three times from verse 6 down to verse 9, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed. Fear. Fear. The word fear is going to come up in this. And if we go back to, to Mark 4 and we look at these guys in here, we can see these are professional fishermen. They know what they're doing on the lake. They've been on this thing their entire lives. I don't know how old they are. Mid-40s maybe. Who knows? Late 30s, mid-40s. Anyway, they grew up on this lake. They're fishermen. They're professionals. They know exactly what they're doing. They've seen all kinds of storms. But they've never been in one like this. And their lives are on the line. Their lives are on the line. They have to make decisions about what's going to happen when their lives are on the line. We go back and look at faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, what we're going to talk about here, and where, what we're going to proceed, we're going to talk about this. We'll pick this up uh, in part three as we come along. I'm going to close with prayer right now, and when we get back together, we'll jump back in the story. Father, I thank you so much for what you've done for us. I thank you for all that you've told us. We thank you for what your word says. We ask you to guide us. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, I'm here by myself, so I've got to do some things here to close things down. So I look forward to seeing you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. All this good, uh, what's coming?